As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Who is January Jones? She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from The Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, The 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Now let me ask you a question. Can you imagine what it would be like to self-publish your own book? It could be scary. (laughs) Tell me, can you imagine what it would be like to write historical fiction? Have you ever wondered why you should think about self-publishing? Well, you should think about it because guess who did it? Mark Twain did it many, many years ago. Now would you like to learn what happens when you adore doing research? Well, I know what happens because I'm addicted to research. Tell me, have you ever heard of a book called Redline Farm, a novel of the Underground Railroad? 
Now, would you like to meet someone who has some of the answers that we're looking for today? Now, are you ready to learn how to be successful and how to jumpstart your life after 70? (laughs) If you can answer yes, just like me, or maybe to any of these questions, then you are in the right place. And I would like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Today, I'll be introducing you to my guest. This is her first time on the show. She is an amazing writer, and she will provide us with wonderful information, lots and lots of inspiration, and some really, really great advice. I'm pleased to announce that this show is now live on Talk for Media and syndicated on iHeartRadio Talk with over 55 million subscribers. We are archived 24-7 for your listening pleasure. Our show has now had over 4 million listeners to date. So... Now it's time for you to sit back and relax as you enter the no-wine zone. Pour yourself a glass of wine, then get some cheese and crackers, and enjoy our show. Now let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. Our guest was born the youngest of eight children in Altoona, Pennsylvania, a gritty railroad town at the base of the Allegheny Mountains. She grew up there and in nearby Williamsburg, Pennsylvania, earned her bachelor's degree from Penn State and became a teacher. But deep, in, deep, deep in her heart was always the desire to write. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show today, Judith Coopley. Hi, Judith. How are you doing? I'm just fine, January. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. Earlier, before we went on the air, you mentioned that you were from Mesa, Arizona, but you're back in Pennsylvania. I suppose you're back visiting all the grandkids? Uh, no, actually, the grandkids live in Mesa where I do. <laughs> I'm oh. back uh, promoting my latest book. Oh, you're on a book tour. How exciting yes. for you. How many, how many books have you written? I have written five. Five uh, novels, historical novels um, about Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, set in Pennsylvania. Okay. We're going to talk about the uh, how one goes about writing a historical novel. But first, let's talk about your history. Let's talk about where your success story began. Where were you born? Uh, who were your early mentors? Tell us a little bit about you. Okay, I was the youngest of eight children uh, in a working-class family in, in Altoona, which uh, Altoona, if you've ever heard of it at all, probably uh, you've heard of it as a railroad town. And uh-huh. uh, I grew up there and in a nearby, uh, nearby smaller town uh, called Williamsburg. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was just a normal, ordinary kid, and I got lucky when I was in high school. I won a scholarship to Penn State, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. I became a teacher. Mm-hmm. Although always in the background, writing was there. I started writing probably at about the age of eleven or twelve. Uh-huh. Uh, I can remember my teacher asked me uh, in sixth grade. She asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said, "Well, I, I wanted to be a lady that writes books." <gasps> and uh, so that I think was the beginning. <laughs> and uh, I just I wrote a lot during my youth, and uh, I was kind of recognized by. Uh, my teachers and other people as uh, being a pretty good writer, and I, and I believed it. And so I just kept on writing, and uh, uh, I was, um, well, you know, I'm one of these people who, 
uh, is linear. That is, um, when I'm mm-hmm. doing one thing, I'm doing it. Don't ask me to multitask. I'm just not there. Okay. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a mother, I was a mother. As a teacher, I was a teacher. But writing was always there on the back burner. I always wanted to. I wished I could. I wasn't sure I would ever be successful at it. And so, you know, it was always just in the background. And uh, I, when I uh, retired from teaching, I decided, okay, it's time to do it or not do it. Put up or shut up. <laughs> and so I, I took it very seriously. I, I said, okay, this is my time. This is my uh-huh. chance, and I have to make the most of it. Well, it's so amazing that you had this passion just kind of uh, bubbling around within you. Did you have any particular people who were mentors who really knew you were going to be a great writer? No, but I had a father who was a writer. Oh. Now, he was, he was uh, this is a wonderful story. My father was in World War I. Uh-huh. And sometime in the 1930s or 1940s, I don't know for sure when, because all I know is this was done before I was aware. He wrote a book about his about his experiences in World War One. Wow! And that was in that was in his cupboard. He kept it put away. I never read it when I was growing up. I just kind of knew it was there. Mm-hmm. And um, I well, both my parents were readers. They they read all the time, and uh-huh. uh, that was just something that was done in our house. We all read all the time. And so I think when you're a reader, I think maybe many readers aspire to be writers. You know, you, uh-huh. you just think maybe you could do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it goes with the territory. I know when we were traveling in Germany uh, a few years ago, we went into this monastery and they took us into uh, where the monks would do their research and writing. I walked into that library, and I looked at my husband, and I said, this is heaven. We have just arrived in heaven. And I think when you have that love of reading, the part where you can translate it into writing a book is just one of the most amazing things that can ever happen to anyone. Uh, when did you write your first book? Actually, hmm, that's a little bit hard to think about. Uh, uh-huh. I did some nonfiction. I, I lived in Wisconsin for a while, and I wrote, um, uh, co-authored actually, a book about a Wisconsin wildlife artist. Uh-huh. And that was published way back in about 1983, and that was that was a fine experience, but it wasn't the kind of writing I wanted to do. And then um, I thought I wanted to write YA, young adult novels, and so uh-huh. I did some, because I was a teacher of young adults, and I, I thought I knew them pretty well. So I, did a, I had a couple books that I worked on off and on. You know, like I say, I was really a teacher, and that, that's what I concentrated on, so... I didn't uh, devote myself entirely to writing. Uh, the first book that I did as a serious writer of historical fiction, I mm-hmm. wrote after I retired from teaching, and that was in 2004. And then uh, I tried to uh, go the regular normal route. I had an agent, and I you know, was waiting for the agent to find somebody that was interested <laughs> in it and so forth. Yeah. And I waited, and, and then I waited some more. And then I, I thought, at that time, I was, I was getting close to 70, and I thought, hmm, oh. you know, I don't know. I, I just don't have time to wait around to be discovered here. I'm going to have to do something <laughs> on my own. <laughs> you go, girl. So, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, so I decided, okay, it's up to me. i got to do this myself. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, no one else is going to do it for you. Well, I'm impressed because I wrote my first book when I was 50, and I thought uh, that was quite an amazing accomplishment. Now, my uh, next question is, did you, all the way through school, and you taught public schools for more than 20 years, did you always enjoy doing research? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I and I'm fascinated with history. Always have been. It does. I don't care what kind of history it is. Uh, you know, it uh, it can be. You know, American history could be world history. I taught world history, but uh-huh. um, you know, I love all kinds of history. When I was like a teenager, when I was like 15, I used to sit around reading books about the Civil War. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> it's kind of just the way I am. <laughs> well, well, I think we're very much alike because I used to surprisingly do the same thing. And I remember someone saying that if you ever wanted to be a writer, the topic that would stand the test of time would be the Civil War. <laughs> and and I, I filed that one away. And then as history and time moved on, it actually became the Kennedy assassination. And I wrote two books about that. Oh, ad- how interesting. I adore doing research. I was a history major in college. What did you major in? I majored in social studies as a uh, secondary education, so I took history and, and political science and psychology, sociology, you know, the broad spectrum. But history was my first love. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Me too. That's for sure. Now, we're going to take a break and hear from our wonderful sponsors, and they're all, uh, they all love history, too. I checked that out before I let them come on the show to sponsor <laughs> us. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, that's a prerequisite. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the book title, Redford Farm, a novel of the Underground Railroad. And interestingly enough, uh, it's Redfield, but your actual maiden name is Redline, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Very, very close there. We're going to explore this. Okay. (laughs) We'll be right back with Judith Scoopy. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. With over 30 years as a registered nurse with empathic abilities, Carolyn Green, a.k.a. The Energy Nurse, is bridging the gap between traditional and alternative medicine. Certified in the areas of energy medicine, life coaching, and as a medical intuitive, she brings to each client an integrative approach to body, mind, and spirit. Her book, found on Balboa Press and Amazon, Getting to Know You, Guided Pearls of Wisdom for a More Soulful Existence, is a channel journey for clearing the mind clutter to bring about healthier thought patterns. As a motivational speaker, 
Carolyn brings new light to old issues and is engaging, interactive, and enlightening. With her newly launched The Energy Nurse Jewelry Line, she brings to you stones and crystals that are not only beautiful to wear, but balancing and healing as well. To contact or learn more about Carolyn, go to www.theenergynurse.com. Become the next great business success story by getting free PR for your business. That's why January Jones is offering a free copy of the new audio how-to course called How to Build Your Business, Get More Email Subscribers, and Make More Money Free Doing Podcast and Internet Talk Radio Interviews. Your copy is free for the asking at realfasttalkradio.com. Again, that website is realfasttalkradio.com. Go now. Welcome back to Real Fast January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And today I'm sharing Judith Redline Coopy's success story. Uh, both Judith and I are in our 70s and proud of it. We've accomplished a lot. We've lived long lives. Isn't it amazing to begin a writing career at this time in our life, Judith? It is, and it's wonderful because... Mm-hmm. It's just uh, like breathing new life into into yourself. You you have mm-hmm. opportunities and experiences that you never thought you'd have. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love what uh, you in your notes we have. Why do you write historical fiction, not mystery, contemporary, fantasy, et cetera, et cetera? And you answer, "What makes you think I have a choice?" Writers write what they have to write. There's no getting away from it. You can't just decide to write in some genre because it's popular. It'll give you up every time. You write what you have to write. And isn't that just, that is one of the best uh, statements I've ever shared about the writing that takes place in a person. When it comes out, uh, there's such an adrenaline rush, isn't there? There really is. And Mm -hmm. it's just a... It's just a very honest thing. Uh, you have the, you write because you're interested in something, because it moves you, because you care about it, and you know you can't make that up. No, no. I adore hysteric historical fiction. I was going to say hysterical. It could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> so you've known you were a writer all your life. Um, and now you've had some modest success in articles published in national magazines. But then you wanted to write fiction. And now, see, I'm in total awe of you on that one, dear, because I've always written nonfiction. I think I'm terrified of going to fiction because sometimes I'm afraid of where it'll take me. Have you had some surprises on your journey? Oh, yes. Um, it's, it's, once you create a character... Uh-huh. Uh, I know that you've heard this before. People say the characters come to life and they take over. Well, they don't really yeah. take over, but they really influence what's going to happen. Uh, you know, if you've created good characters, then they're like real people, and mm-hmm. real people react in real ways. So, yeah, it's been it's really a lot of fun. Uh, my, it's my favorite part of writing is creating good characters. Like I like strong women. Uh, and I, I, all my female characters are, well, I can't say all of them, but my lead characters are, are mm-hmm. strong women. And they're women who, who face whatever life puts before them and um, handle it well. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, so good characters are very important to me. 
And, you know, it's interesting, both of us, we've had a 70 years with, worth of experience watching wonderful women, what they've done, how they survived. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to be able to share that. But before we go on, briefly for our listeners who are sitting there thinking, gosh, I wonder if I could write a book, let's give them your five good reasons to self-publish. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, it's easy. Uh, now, <laughs> nowadays, it's really easy. All you have to do is upload your book on Amazon, and mm-hmm. you're a published author. And that's an opportunity that hasn't been available for very long. And, I, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity, and here's why. All I wanted was for my readers to read my books. Uh-huh. I didn't want critics. I didn't care about reviews. I didn't care about anything except... If a reader reads my book and likes my book and tells his friends he likes my book and they read my book, that's all that it takes. You know, it's nothing, it, I, I, nothing between me and my readers. You know, mm-hmm. it's just almost like a conversation between me and them. I'm telling mm-hmm. them a story, uh, and they, in turn, pass the story on or tell other people that it was a good story. And that's, <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. But it, it's very easy. The second thing is it's basically free. If you just publish, right. if you just want to publish ebooks, you you can publish them, and uh, you know Amazon doesn't charge you to upload, mm-hmm. uh, and so you put it out there. And if you sell any, then you share the profits with Amazon, which is really a very fair uh, arrangement. Uh, you know they uh, they are generous in the percentages that they allow authors to have. The other right. thing is, oh, I'm so glad I I lived long enough to to uh, be aware of the Internet and, and mm-hmm. all the possibilities that are there because mm-hmm. the world is your market. Uh-huh. You know, I, yeah. if I had done yeah. this 50 years ago, 20 years ago, it, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have had the kind of opportunities I have now because, you know, everybody around the world can use the Internet. Well, not everybody, but, you know, Most. people who are fortunate <laughs> enough. But, you know, the world is your market, and you have access to readers from all over. And, you know, I've heard from people in Australia and in England. Um, Redfield Farm, my my first book, has been translated into German and Norwegian. Uh, and, you know, it's just like, wow, you know. And so I'm kind of in awe of all the opportunities and all the things that are out there. Mm-hmm. Then the next reason that I, that I think that... Um, might be a good idea to self-publish is if you if you have some success and you're a pretty good writer, you might you know a, an agent or a publisher might just tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, we'd like to publish your your work." You know that's a real possibility because it's out there and and you get noticed. And then the last one, <laughs> you can make a little money. As a matter of <laughs> fact, you might make a lot of money, but uh, unless you make it really big, you probably won't make a lot. But you know you can it can be profitable. And you know when I first did this. Uh, I published in uh, print edition, and I put my book up on uh, eBay. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, uh-huh. Amazon. <laughs> sorry uh-huh. about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I uh, hoped I only hoped to make back the money I had invested, and I had invested some because I'll, I'll talk a little later about some of the things you should and shouldn't do if you're if you're <laughs> self-publishing. But I invested some money, and all I hoped was to make that much back. Wow, I was very pleasantly surprised that I did much better than that. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's uh you know I published my first book twenty years ago, so it was a much much different world than uh, it was uh, challenging. Now you can go to Amazon, create space. Things happen there. It's very technologically easy to do. Uh, and you're right, the world is your market because for me, my books brought me to the world of talk radio. And now I have guests uh, from all over the world. And as you said, you might get noticed by an agent or publisher. And I I self-published my first books, but then eventually I got noticed and I had a New York publisher. So it can go, it can become very, very exciting. And you certainly can make some money, Uh, not a a lot, but enough to make it worth your while. Don't you agree? Mm -hmm. I do, I do agree, yes, yes. Now, if you had to do it all over again, we're here to talk about what to do and what not to do. What would you do differently? I'm not sure I would do much of anything differently. I would probably mm-hmm. follow the path that I, that I did. Uh, people have asked me if I was sorry that I didn't do this earlier in life. Yeah. And uh-huh. I, I, you know, I can say no because all the parts of my life have been great, and I wouldn't want to have missed any of them. So earlier success might have changed my life in ways that I, I wouldn't even imagine, and and uh, I might have missed something, and I and I don't want to don't want to have missed anything. I love teaching. I wouldn't trade a moment that I spent in the classroom with uh, mm-hmm. for anything. Love mm-hmm. kids and uh, had a wonderful time doing it, but. You know, as a teacher, you get a little bit older and you start to think, well, you know, you got to know when it's time to go because uh, if the kids start looking at you like this this old lady that teaches history, you know, <laughs> you don't want to hang around too long. So um, I, I retired with the full intention of becoming a writer, and, uh, and writing fits right now. And so I don't think I'd change uh, I don't think I'd change it. I, would, I like the order that things came in and the fact that uh, I've been uh, – given a generous amount of time to do all the things that I enjoy doing. And so, I don't know. I, I, I guess some people might have different feelings about it, but my, my attitude is it's been great. I wouldn't change it. Oh, it sounds wonderful. And, you know, I totally agree with you because just like you, I do love research. And I love this comment you made. I tell my husband that I could spend the rest of my life in the library and he could just shove pizza under the door. <laughs> I think we have to get our husbands together because I think my husband feels that way about the radio show. He could just shove pizza under the studio door. But speaking of this wonderful radio show, we have some fabulous sponsors. We're going to hear from them right now. And we'll be right back with Judith. January's co-host, Connie Cockrell, the author of Mystery at the Fair, has been writing since 2011 after a challenge from her daughter. An eclectic writer, she's written mysteries, sci-fi, fantasy, and even a thriller. She has been included in... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In four different anthologies and published on the e-zine Everyday Fiction, Connie continues to write and entertain with whatever comes into her head. You can find her books on most ebook retail sites. Paperback editions are also available. Be sure to visit her at www.ConnieSRandomThoughts.com on Facebook and on Twitter at Connie Cockrell. The new book, God Reconsidered, Searching for the Truth in the Battle Between Atheism and Religion by Scott Smith, explains why both militant atheists and believers in traditional religions ignore inconvenient truths. Scott argues in favor of the insights of Gnostic Christianity. Check out www.godreconsidered.com to read a sample chapter. That's godreconsidered.com. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? People who have fearlessly shared their stories, their struggles, and their successes? People who have priceless personalities? In my new book, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, I am honored to be able to share with you people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, starting over, self-esteem, and workplace issues. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They will amaze, amuse, and even astonish you. You will adore getting to meet them at Amazon.com. My book is now available, two-for-one, paperback and Kindle editions. I'm pleased to announce that um, Priceless Personalities is also now available at audiobooks.com. We have a Priceless Personality visiting with us today, Judith Redline Coopy. Judith and I are both in our 70s, and uh, we're finally getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Judith, let's share your website information and share with my listeners how they can get your books. Um, my website is www.judithredlinecoopy.com. 
And my books are available on Amazon. They're available at any bookstore. If you, uh, if they don't keep them in stock, just ask them to order. They can, they can be ordered very quickly and brought to you in a day or two. Um, I also, well, yeah, my website is the main, the main access and, uh, my email address is on my website. If you, uh, have any comments or questions and are interested in more of my story, uh, feel free to email me and I'll be happy to respond. Okay, now let's talk about uh, Redfield Farm, a novel of the Underground Railroad. I was always fascinated with the Civil War, Civil War growing up, and so you wrote a book about the Underground Railroad. How much research did this take for you? It took a great deal of research. Um, uh-huh. I have, there's a great story about how I got started in this. I do genealogy, and I was uh, uh-huh. researching a branch of my family, and I found out that something I hadn't known in the, uh, uh, previously was that they were Quakers. And uh-huh. they lived in Bedford County, Pennsylvania, which is one of the southern counties that borders Maryland. And uh-huh. um, so I went around, I, I did the research, I found which branch of this family was mine, and I then found out that their home was still uh, standing still there in Bedford County. So I went to see it, and the man who owned it at the time uh, didn't live in it. He was just farming the land. But he was very gracious. He showed me around, and he said, oh, and you know that it was a station on the Underground Railroad. And I said, oh, oh, really? (laughs) And I, I had no idea that that was the case. Now, I can't prove that because People didn't write down, uh, keep records of what they were doing in the Underground Railroad. Uh, the things mm-hmm. that we know about it were written afterwards. Right. So I do know that uh, it has been documented that some of their neighbors and members of their monthly meeting, which was uh, the Dunnings Creek meeting in Bedford County, um, that they that some of those are documented as having been part of the Underground Railroad. So I choose to believe uh-huh. that my ancestors were involved too. But at okay. any rate, that's what started me. And uh, then I did research on the Underground Railroad. I just read and read and read probably uh-huh. 20 books about the Underground Railroad, various uh, memoirs and, uh, you know, accounts by people who were involved and then scholarly accounts written later and so forth. Um, and one of the things that I find happening is when I do research and I get really deeply involved, the story emerges out of the research. Mm. It's kind of like you mm-hmm. you get so immersed in it that you feel almost as though you're there. Mm-hmm. And the the I don't know where you draw the line between your research and your and your writing. Sometimes I have to tear myself away because I love research so much. And I uh-huh. think, okay, Judy, you have to stop now. You have to write. But uh, <laughs> that you know that was a I'd say I did a good year and a half of research before I wrote anything. But you know, having done that. When I started to write, the writing flowed. It just came. Uh And I think that's because you get so involved in it, so well-informed, that you can write about it without without much effort. Well, you know, I'll take it even to another level. So (laughs) I'll take it to the place where you do so much research. The people you're researching begin to inhabit your being they become mm-hmm. a part they become a part of your life and i you know i don't know if you believe in channeling or whatever but they start telling their own story they're ready think, to tell it they've been on I the other so. side yeah. yeah i think you're right about that it it just it happens so 
Uh-huh. Oh, it just flows so well that it, it just, it's so effortless that it just feels as though your hand is being guided as you write. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, this first book I wrote uh, actually by hand. I wrote it on oh. legal pads with a, with uh-huh. a pen. Wow. And I love that kind <laughs> of writing. I really do love it. I, I, w- I would like to do all my writing that way. Uh, but then once I had it written, of course, I had to put it on the computer, which was long and drudgery. And <laughs> I yeah. thought, oh, no, this is... I, so I don't do it by hand anymore. But that, that experience of actually writing it by hand and, and have, having the feeling sometimes that my hand was actually guided, it was just a really great experience. Yeah. You know, I, I experienced the same thing, too, because many times I would be writing. I'm not a night person at all. I'm usually in bed now by 9 o'clock, 9.30 at the latest. But when I was in my writing phase, I would start like at 10 or 11. I would start writing and I would go to through till 2 or 3 in the morning. I would save everything on the computer, go to bed, wake up the next morning and open it up and wonder who wrote this. No kidding. (laughs) It would be like, I would just sit there and said, oh my gosh, where did this come from? And I think that's what happens with some of these books. They're they're actually quite, quite spiritual. And I think uh, people get uh, help from the other side. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's very possible. As a matter of fact, I even thought my handwriting looked like my sister's <laughs> handwriting. And my sister was gone. So it was like, I, I honestly looked at it sometimes and I thought, this looks like Barb wrote it. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> We're on the same page, dear. Okay, so yeah. now let's talk about how Redfield Farm became a success. You said oh. it was like dropping a pebble in a pond and yeah. watching yeah. the ripple spread out. Right. Tell us about that um, experience. I went to Bedford County. It's it's set in Bedford County. I went to the Bedford County Historical Society, and I told them that I had this book about the Underground Railroad, and it was well-researched, and I uh, asked them if I could launch my book from there, and they were gracious. They've been my most wonderful, my most wonderful fans because mm-hmm. they continue to support me all the time. But um, I went there, and I... Um, gave book talks, uh, talks around the community about the Underground Railroad. Uh, I used the local appeal to start it off. People love to read about places that they're familiar with. Right. And it just spread out from there. And then, um, well, it's been, it's been uh, a community read selection for two cities, Amesbury, Massachusetts, and Amsterdam, New York. Both chose uh-huh. it as a one-book, one one, or one-city, one-book uh, selection. And... Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's. I, I honestly, I didn't know anything about promotion. I didn't do anything mm-hmm. to promote it. I just put it out there. And the wonderful thing about it was that word of mouth just spread the book, spread the word, and it became a very, very high, a good seller, a very good seller with Amazon and and you know all around Central Pennsylvania. It's uh-huh. pretty much. You know, I have quite a quite a number of people around here who who read my books and and enjoy them. <laughs> I bet they do. And you you state that once you put it out as an ebook, it just took off, and that is the most amazing thing about uh, a publishing literary career that anyone who is sitting here listening to us you can create. As uh, Judith said, your own ebook, no expense. Uh, it's print on demand. 
it's basically a no-brainer. Don't you agree, Judith? I do agree. I think it's a, a wonderful opportunity, and I know there are many, many people who have longed to write a book and think they could and would like to try it, but they're, they're really afraid to put themselves out there. And I say go for it. It's, it's been a wonderful experience, and even if it hadn't been as successful as it has, I would still have profited by it and, and, and felt as though it was a great thing to do. Okay. Uh, we are hearing from two um, literary ladies <laughs> who are both in their 70s. If you're thinking about writing a book, don't think about writing it for the public. Think about writing it for your family. Think about the people you love, sharing some of your insights, some of your thoughts. Uh, I think it's something that you'll never regret doing. Don't you agree? Oh, yes, <laughs> certainly. Uh, I, I can't imagine any regrets because it, it's just uh, a wonderful experience. The writing itself is fun and then putting it out, and even if it is just for your family. Mm-hmm. I, we should take the word just out of that, even if it is okay. for your family. It is. Uh, yeah. It's a wonderful uh, uh, keepsake, something that they can point to and enjoy, and, uh, you know, it, it can become part of their heritage. I agree. And it's a wonderful gift. It's uh, something they will treasure. It's something you can share. And I feel that writing is just like planting a tree. Once you write that book, it's out there for a long, long time. <laughs> Well, we can hope so. I, I certainly yeah, hope we so. Can, yeah, we can hope so. <laughs> right now, we're going to hear from my wonderful sponsors who have been with me for a long, long time. We'll be right back with Judith. From cowgirl to caregiver to consultant, meet Becky Fiola, author of The Elder Care Consultant, your guide to making the best choices possible. Growing up on remote ranches across the western states, she tended to orphan creatures large and small. Later on, that nurturing instinct served her well as the primary caregiver for her late husband. And now, she offers hope and guidance as a consultant to the elderly and their families. When you need advice on caring for an aging loved one, you can find those answers and her book at Amazon.com and her website, www.assistedlivingadvantage.com. Joining January Jones as her co-host on the show is Miles Miller, the great success creator. Miles is a two-time best-selling author with books entitled Against the Grain and Successonomics. He continues to transform 100,000 people all over the world through his speaking and training. His uplifting and essential messages like Bulletproof, Time Machine, and Strength in Numbers are impacting every audience he meets. Together with January Jones, they'll explore how to be successful and what steps you can take to achieve the success you want. Visit successhq.net, leadup.biz, and learningbreaks.com. January Jones wants you to grow your business fast, getting free PR, doing interviews with podcasters and internet radio shows. Grab your free copy of our audio how-to course called How to Build Your Business, Get More Email Subscribers, and Make More Money Free doing podcast and internet talk radio interviews. Grab your copy right now at realfasttalkradio.com. Again, that website is realfast 
blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Real Fast January Jones, sharing success stories. We're visiting with Judith Redline Coopy. Now, Judith, uh, who do you like to read? Who's your favorite author? Well, I don't have one favorite author. I have many. Uh, (laughs) I've been a reader all my life, and I have gone through... Like, I used to choose an author or start reading an author and saying, wow, I really like this. Like, for example, John Steinbeck. Uh, I've read everything he ever wrote, and I was so sorry to come to the last one because I always knew that uh, I would love what he, whatever I was reading of his. Um, I have a there's a woman in the North Carolina whose name is Lee Smith, who writes about um, wonderful character-driven stories about Appalachia, and I like that. I, li- I like her work. I like Molly Gloss, who is who writes about strong women in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always loved Willa Cather. Now she's a, she's an old old writer uh, that mm-hmm. is from a, some time ago, but um, she, her stories are so good. They're about um, uh, the pioneering in Nebraska, and, and uh, uh, for example, I'm sure mo- many of your listeners have heard of My Antonia and O Pioneers. I've I've always loved her work, and and so I guess my my taste is eclectic. I I. I often choose to read prize-winning novels like Pulitzer Prize winners or mm-hmm. Critic Circle Award just because mm-hmm. I, I don't have as much time to read as I'd like to, and so I almost want to be guaranteed it's going to be a good read. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, but, of course, everybody does. Everybody wants yeah. to, to, you know, wants the selections that they read to be good. But um, I can't say I have a single favorite. I, I'm open to almost any any kind of books. Now... I'm, I'm not. I don't read fantasy. I don't write fantasy. But that doesn't mean that I. That's not a judgment against it. It's just a mm-hmm. matter of personal yeah. taste. Um, mm-hmm. But I read a lot of the kind of thing I, I write. Uh, basically, historical fiction, good stories about good people. Well, you know what I love is your advice to aspiring writers of any age. I say any age for all of you listening. Judith says, write all the time, some every day. Don't try for perfection in your first draft. Get the story down first and then fix it. And do not sweat rejection. Now, the other advice you give that I am giving this advice out all the time, and it is get your book written. You have to go and pay your dues, write the book. And then your advice is hire a professional editor. Talk about that, Judith. Well, I think, you know, when you say self-published, sometimes there's a stigma attached. Uh, People think, oh, well, you weren't good enough to get published by a real publisher, so you publish Mm -hmm. it yourself. And and that's really changing very, very rapidly. We have a lot of fine work coming out now that has just been made possible by the technology. Um, So I just think that uh, you have to try to be as professional as you can. Therefore, uh, the, the product you've put out should look like and, and feel like and read like a, a professionally published book. So I hire an editor, and mm-hmm. I, uh, th- th- this is a, a line editor, basically someone who is watching for the P's and Q's and dotting the I's and making sure the commas are in the right place. Um, but I, I think that's majorly important, and I think mm-hmm. it's a real telltale sign that you are not really a pro unless, uh, you know, if your book is riddled with uh, grammatical yeah. or spelling errors, 
It doesn't mm-hmm. look good to the public. And I feel the same way about the cover. I, I hire right. a professional cover designer, and that's mm-hmm. because that first impression that the reader gets or the, the bookstore shopper gets is that cover. And, you know, I think we've all seen covers that were not particularly um, professional-looking. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody's uh, friend, relative, uh, was uh, pretty good at art, and maybe they drew something and, and so forth. But I think you have to have a professional-looking cover because that's the that's the doorway to your to your book. And if somebody mm-hmm. picks it up because the cover looks good, and they turn yeah. it over and they read the synopsis on the back, and then they say, "Oh, okay," and they even open it and read the first page, that's what brought them there. Oh, so I so think lovely. we have to be willing to spend a little money to mm-hmm. put out a professional-looking uh, product because I think. It, it's the only. It, it's what really is going to make your book a success. And finally, finally, and this is really a big thing. You must be willing to go out and promote your work. You know, having had a New York publisher, it's like people think, "Oh, I'll get a publisher and they'll promote my book." Guess what? You're the flavor of the month, and next month they have another book to promote. So the only one who is going to do it is you. You need to take some marketing uh, seminars, and and if you don't do it, who will? Don't you agree? Right. Right. I agree 100%. Right now, I'm on a book tour. I've Mm -hmm. been in Pennsylvania since November 4th, and I will be returning to Arizona on Saturday the 21st. And every day, I have had an appearance, an event, a book signing, a book talk, uh, sometimes I, I make PowerPoint presentations and I, I go around to historical societies and libraries and places like that. And it's a lot of work. It really oh, is. Yeah. It, and it's not just the work that you, that I'm doing this week or this month where I'm doing the actual appearances. I have to make the schedule. I have to call people and ask them mm-hmm. if I can come. And, uh, and, uh, sometimes they say no. <laughs> and that's okay <laughs> because it doesn't always work out. But, uh, it's all on me. And uh, if I am not, you know, energetic enough to do this, uh, then nobody else is going to do it for me. So I do the best I can, and I, you know, travel a lot and uh, talk to a lot of people, (laughs) and uh, it's it's very, as I say, it it takes a lot of energy, but it's worth it. And you meet such wonderful people. You know, the best people in the world. You meet in libraries. You meet in bookstores. Uh You, You know. They're they're, just great. Well, I agree with you. I've been on book tour. I've been out there, been there, done that. You know, selfishly, I have to say I've become lazy. So now I do a radio show and I do my book tour (laughs) from from Payson, Arizona. But I agree totally what you said about you meet some of the most amazing people, the best people. It's it's quite an experience. And if you're fortunate enough to have written a good book like Judith Redline Coopy, you will enjoy your book tour. And we certainly have enjoyed having you with us today, Judith. Uh, let me know when you get back to Arizona, and I hope we can get together. Okay, that'll be wonderful, and thank you for the opportunity. 
Oh, it's been lovely. To my wonderful listeners, we hope you've enjoyed our show today as much as I've enjoyed doing it. My upcoming guests will all amaze, amuse, and astonish you just like Judith. I would love to welcome you to our wonderful No Whining World. When you can, sign on to my website, January Jones. We love sharing our stories, our struggles, and our secrets for a successful book tour. Remember my mantra, if you think it, then you can do it. So for now, my dear friends, you must stop with the whining, and then you must start smiling, and then you must start sharing our show with everyone you know. And if that doesn't work, then you can start eating chocolate. Lots and lots of chocolate. Again, thank you to my guest today, Judith Redline Coopy. This is January Jones thanking you for joining me today on my journey and reminding you to take care and stay safe as we close with music by Sorantos. This is Sorantos, and you're listening to January Jones. My dream turned to reality Funny how quickly things can change What a way to come all down I carelessly believe It was easy to believe That one beautiful morning You made me want to stay This is Sorantos. I hope you enjoyed January Jones' latest episode. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity, plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.